Welcome back to the Turn Row Podcast, everybody. Um, with me, as always, is Kevin. Hello, everybody. John. Howdy. Uh, and Colt, maybe, I don't know if he has a microphone or not, but he's working the back end like we usually do. And I'm Ethan, your host. So today we are going to do a uh, kind of an update of what's going on in our territory, you know, uh, as a whole within CropQuest and um, see where that goes from there. So, uh, Kevin, do you want to start with the western Kansas, eastern Colorado? I don't know. Eastern Colorado. Your orb of influence. Oh my. <laughs> Your orb. Please start with me. Oh, let's see here. Well, you know, in southwest Kansas, there's a lot of people. Combines are starting to roll. Um, a lot of it's dry land. Yields are better than expected, I guess, so far. Given the the hot dry conditions, the some of we're starting to see a lot of things show up from planting. Uh, we had a lot of wet feet early on, a lot of standing water. Um, so plant health isn't uh, well. I guess for us, it's as expected, but you kind of forget about it. So um, plant health is going backwards rather quickly, uh, especially with all this hundred degree heat we've had lately. So. Um, haven't heard any yields yet, but you know, our beans are drying down. Corn is, is really crashing and, and becoming ready a lot quicker than most people expect. Um, see the cotton. I think we do have some cotton starting to open up, Ethan, in places. I, I know that they, uh, I, I, well, I know would have been three weeks ago. We, we had guys that were, uh, shutting the plant down but i think that naturally we had some bulls starting to open up that's good y'all having some open up this early yeah and that's that's what's so tough about your area if you don't get those heat units on the back end they ain't gonna open up for sure you know for sure or we well, you know it's it's time the trees are starting to turn and that's usually a good indication that <laughs> things are changing you know you always got to play attention to trees and insects Yes. You know, you got to, uh, and, and really wildlife in general, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, they're, uh, ants and bees will tell you a lot. Well, I don't know about trees turning because in South Texas, trees don't turn. Just, <laughs> we get a, we get a frost and everything falls off. Right back. Yeah. Most trees is it turning will, into the, the trees and the bees conversation yes it is the birds and the bees i feel like i'm listening <laughs> to the uh, extension channel on saturday am radio talking about gardening you know so <laughs> i don't know if they have those in kansas but <laughs> uh, I, I guess i haven't found such things <laughs> yeah so the, the am uh, talk radio we have two am channels west of san antonio and um the one that um i listen to on, on occasion on saturday there's um, kind of a famous extension, you know, professor through extension service that um, works the hill country area of Texas and his radio show. And it's a hundred percent call-in show. And it's just, you know, uh, granny's calling in asking about their fig trees or, you know, just random gardening <laughs> things. And it's, it's so I, it, it, I, you start lit, listening to it because you get in the truck on Saturday and it's kind of funny. And the next thing you know, you end up learning 20 things and he's like, I can't cut this off. You know, I'm driving around blankly listening to it. So. You know, honestly, some of the most difficult questions I've got are from farmers' wives or 
themselves wanting to know what's wrong with my trees and plants. <laughs> you know, like you start diving into it and you're like, well, it could be this, but I just kind of throw up your hands sometimes. That's, that's one thing I can mess up as a tree. But so since we're already down at the tangent, I want to go on a story. So when I interned, I interned in Southwest. Yeah. And an undisclosed agronomist and I, as an intern, we walked up to Mr. Farmer's house and delivered a report. Well, in the flower bed, you know, those, those like those hanging flower pots you can hang on like the eve of your house, you know, on a porch. It was morning glory, a ton of morning glory. <laughs> and they were freshly planted. And so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Mr. Cropquest agronomist said, uh, so why did you, you know, buy morning glory since you have them in your field? Is that what that is? Yeah. It's just a, you know, a little bit different, you know, uh, species of it, but that's what that is. I would make sure it doesn't get off your porch. And the, the farm was genuinely angry that he bought that. And, um, Uh Oh, that didn't he, just walk, did it? And, <laughs> sorry guys that was my phone um because so the, the farmer liked them and he's the one who bought them and not his wife and he Seriously? took them off yes he took them off to eva's house and threw them in a dumpster i we watched him we helped him do it it was the funniest thing i've ever seen well how many people have you heard um for instance on bindweed? oh that that's a pretty flower are you serious yeah one of the things i've seen this at home depot is common purslane it's kind of a uh, yeah you know I, what i'm talking about it, it's yeah. i mean and it's expensive there you know i mean that's what i told Corey. one of the, he's been on the podcast before one of the guys that works with me down here so we just need to scoop that stuff up and sell it you know well we can't kill it anyway it's <laughs> the only way to kill it is put it in someone's it house <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's like shooting a pheasant and cutting the wing off and selling it at the store for like 15 bucks <laughs> except that would be animal cruelty and plants don't have souls well i'm sure someone's gonna be mad at me for saying that so i regret that immediately anyway back to our update episode kevin okay. what's going on in southwest kansas well and i guess you know i've talked a little bit about the corn crashing and stuff in in my part of the world we're very unique um spider mites late season are our one of our primary pests and they've been extraordinarily bad um we've had a unique one come in called the carmine mite and they have just been lingering and um basically taking its toll on the plant and that's going to aid in uh some standability issues in in sorghum as well as corn usually they're not in sorghum but uh this year they have been bad uh a lot of the spider mites have been bad in the sorghum they've been bad but you know when i say bad they're in my trees at the house they're they're in cotton they're in soybeans um it just doesn't matter there's so many of them that they're everywhere um i know that uh i i think that even in areas maybe not in kansas but i know eastern colorado or even out uh in the four corners area uh where my dad works they they've even had spider mite problems out there too but I think that it's probably just from uh, we were we were so wet and so green early that they had a host to survive and pro uh, proliferate, and then we got hot and dry, and then when that happens, it, it's just like crack. 
<laughs> they just go nuts. <laughs> they have a, a larger than normal population. And yeah. I wonder if there's, was there any, does it follow any weather pattern? Like uh, winds that have pushed them out west? Obviously or? the south winds um, that we get help them just because it's a blast furnace type heat. But I don't know if you can just, because they're naturally in the wheat, they're naturally in uh, CRP grass and, and grass in general, and then they move into the next host, which is our row crops and such. But I don't know, I don't know if I've ever looked it up or thought about if, if they like blow in from Mexico or something like that, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't think so. Because usually when they come out of the wheat, the popular the populations are really low and then then about that times when we get all the heat and then then they can have so many generations per week it's nuts and yeah. that that's the heat is what drives the population explosion yeah you know i've noticed a lot when we're so when we're harvesting wheat is also when our cotton is getting um starting to square so our wheat is um turning as it's getting planted and then anyway so a lot of times we have a lot of thrips in our wheat yeah which is not good for cotton early for on sure. yeah sure. it'll, it'll defoliate them but it's so it's kind of a catch-22 because we'll get a bunch of spider mites move out and into the cotton so you have a thrip that can be beneficial but also cannot be at that stage of the cotton's life or you know you have three leaf cotton that are covered up in mites that you have to spray for sure you know so um well i think that our mites have been beneficial in our sorghum actually because we do we do have some spots where we have sugarcane aphids but they're not treatable levels but i think that they've kept the natural predator levels up to where you can see damage from them but they never made it you know, they died when they flew in i think or when they migrated in yeah. so it i mean it's been good but um I don't know. We, we still have to be careful in our Milo because of that pressed, you know, we never want to spray or do anything to kill all of our beneficials just yeah. for the sheer fact that you could have a aphid explosion. Yeah. And it's rare that when you have aphids, they don't just explode. It's very um, rare that you can outrun them. So yeah. maybe, yeah. maybe having excessive mites is able to get you there. Speaking of Milo, you know, um, have you ever seen that that product that makes uh, the headworms ooze that you spray? Is it like, is it the, the bent, it's not a beneficial, what is it, what am I looking it's for? It's the virus. The yes, virus yes. Spray. I've never it, used it, but I've this seen is, this it. This is going to sound really demented, but it's awesome. Because <laughs> 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 the, the worms go to the top of the head and all of a sudden they look kind of dark and black and they swell up and then they're... <laughs> looks like mold grows on them and they just ooze out you liquefy the worm <laughs> seriously oh man it's awesome but i used it because i didn't want to spray any pyrethroids or anything to to blow up no uh, beneficials and decided to go that route and it's pretty neat that i haven't be... checked it. i haven't checked it this week to watch them because like, they say that on the head they'll just they'll just hang down <laughs> just be like stuck and black <laughs> That's hilarious. You have a demented mind. Well, no. you know, in, in this line of work, 
a, a little bit of uh, insect death is good. When you spend, you know, so you put so much stress into actually killing these bugs, and when something works that well, it does bring a little joy to your heart. It, it, it does. <laughs> so so when, when, it's nice when a plant goes according to plan. <laughs> yeah, most of the time it does. <laughs> most of the time you get 80%, you know, you're good. It's like, oh, man, I haven't had something work this well in years. So, but, well, um, what else is cooking over in your orb? Well, you know, I think that that maybe sums up most of Southwest Kansas. I know that I've heard some friends that farm in the Eastern part of the state, things aren't near as good as they thought, but it, I think the, the big story is the wet weather. You know, we talked about that in a previous podcast about how things are so wet, standing water, can't get it off. And some of those things you forget because it's been what, three, four months ago, you know, everybody's slept since then. And you kind of forget that, um, you know, having hatchet roots or standing water, how much, uh, how much it can affect you later on down the road. So, and um, then you throw the mites on top of that and your standability yeah. is just going to be yeah, awful. So I, I think that's going to be the story with harvest um, and stuff. I, you know, there's going to be good corn in places, but I think, where where they've had all this adverse weather stuff because i know in the northwest part of the state they've had two or three times they have 80 mile an hour winds come through and knock their corn flat so um that's is that you mean a tornado or no straight line winds oh my god that's a real thing on i-70 what was it do you remember john Mm. was it like two months ago or a month ago where they blew all those semis over you almost have to be a little chubby to live up there just so you stay grounded. <laughs> you need a tactical yeah. belly. Just to, it's a, like an anchor. A tactical belly. Yeah. They okay. call it a, instead it's, of an anchor baby, an anchor belly. Yeah. It's just, it's just so the wind doesn't blow you. Well, you're not going to hit a tree. I wouldn't assume. Yeah. But, but anyway, we, we do get those. And, you know, when you, when you pair that with a shallow root system, it's not good. And I, I, I know that a lot, I've been to, well, a handful of plot meetings and that's been uh, part of their presentation is we just have a shallow root system. Even going through some of these fields, you just, I go to, to twist an ear off before I know it, I'm carrying a whole plant with me down the road. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, that's a little weird, but. That's not going to be good come harvest time. No. And I, you know, for instance, in southwest Kansas, we get about half to two-thirds milk line. The plant's already nat- naturally starting to die, and you may have a few green plants and then a dead one, or five dead ones and then a green one. And it's just, it's going to be one of those harvests where, and it's, it's very typical for us, but you cut and you may have areas of the field that are 25 moisture, and then you may have other areas that are 10 moisture, and it's just going to blend out. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I think that what we will see is maybe some light test weight. So, and I, I know that our, our soybean um, pod counts and stuff aren't aren't near as good as it has been in the past. So I, I don't know uh, how that's going to finish either. And our, our milo heads aren't aren't as big as uh, in in my area. You know, since there was so much stress, I don't I don't think the yields are going to be very they're going to be decent, but not, not like they have been the last three years. Yeah. Well, uh, 
I got a picture the other day of from one of our agronomists, Kevin, and he was showing me like in one spot it was the corn looked really good and then uh me is drying down and then forty feet away he has had like just this line of stock rot. And you could yeah. he took a picture down the row and you could see like it was like to the line nearly. I've got a variable variable rate field, John, and got a ridge going through it. And it was about three weeks ago. And and, it, and the the highway dips down into a creek, so you can really see the whole thing. And uh, <laughs> me and the farmer had a conversation. Like, wow, that already died. And then the next week, it just grew, like you're saying. And it's it's like, well, I guess we're gonna shut the water off because <laughs> it's not getting any better, right? Mm-hmm. but it, it is it's i don't know there's there's going to be a lot of weird things show up because of the wet feet we had early on so yeah and i was driving through the northern texas panhandle late last week and what was surprising to me was how many different stages of corn i saw out there i mean you had like corn that was bright vibrant green like still you know, really growing, and then you had somebody running in the field, and it's like, geez, you know, it's just all stages out there. And I, I don't think, I think every part of the world is in the same boat, you know. Well, we're not. We we cut corn well, two months ago, but well, that's just because you're too far south. We our our second crop of corn is pollinating, so that's disgusting. Yeah, I can't imagine walking through pollinating corn again, like twice in one year. <laughs> you know, it's the penance we pay to live in such a great state. Man, it, I, I think that I would have flashbacks. You know, you walk, walk through pollinating cornfield like, didn't I already do this? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, dude, it's, it's weird that even with, with all of our, our, where our cotton's planted and peanuts and stuff, we have such a wide window of planting for any crop that – um you get better on through the year. It's like having a season and a half. Like you've learned yeah. stuff from early on. And so you don't do it again, or you learn what's working. And so you make that joke, but on fall corn, you know what, you know what, how the rust is going to act this year, which chem, which fungicides are working better for the year. You know, I mean, which pests are going to come early. I mean, it's, it, there's some truth into that. You kind of know, um, you kind of, I don't know. You're what working you're saying is your job's easy because you get a deal do over. Exactly. It's, well, it's, it's not. You just have a little. You don't get surprises often. You know, like you kind of have a little bit of. You kind of read some notes about what the year's going to be like. It's not easy because you can't water it enough. They don't. You know, in August, corn. You know, when it puts four leaves on in a week. Does it stay it, pretty short statured? Your it second? will be about a foot shorter typically. Only a foot. I figure maybe it'd be yeah. more than that. Hmm. Well, you, I mean, it just depends. I mean, if you have the water and you can put some water to it and you get a few cool nights, we got a, you know, we got a bit of a reprieve a few weeks ago. Um, it handles it real well, but yeah, I mean, a foot to two feet probably. But it was 92 instead of 102? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We didn't break 110 <laughs> very much this year, so that was nice. Yeah, that would be really nice. Yeah, but so... I want to, since we're talking about South Texas, I'm just going to talk about the amazing, wonderful plant of cotton. So 
we're harvesting. Man. We're starting. Co- uh, well, we're. You sure we have enough time for this, Ethan? Oh, dude, it, it's a good story. <laughs> I'll try to make it short. So we're about, I don't know, two thirds of the way through with cotton harvest this year uh, down here. And um, thank goodness we didn't get the rain. Last year, in the middle of cotton harvest, we got 30 inches of rain. We only get 24 annually, and we got 30 in a three-week window in the middle of cotton harvest last year. So anyway, the yields were awful because it all fell off the plant. But this year, things are, you know, um, I have some growers that haven't had anything less than four bales. Everything's, you know, four to 4.7 bales an acre. But what's so weird about this, and I knew it was going to happen, but I didn't know it was going to happen to this extent. So we had the worst flea hopper pressure that anybody down can here can remember. And there's old timers that say this is the worst. There was a year 40 years ago that had worse flea hopper pressure. So because of that, the cotton does not have any fruit for the bottom foot of the plant, which usually is a disaster. That The, the bottom bowls on the bottom of the plant are higher quality cotton. You're going to make more money on those bowls. And that, when you don't have that, usually you're not going to hit four bales. But we had such a great environment, a hot, dry environment for cotton after that the cotton put on it made up for not having that bottom crop it put on more auxiliary bowls further out on branches where we normally stick in two to three bowls per branch we were sticking four and five and the cotton just compensated made four bales like it always does so that's pretty neat yeah it was cool you know i mean i and I, we told the growers you know there's a chance this could happen i don't know what to be what extent i'm not i wouldn't plan on making four bells but you're, you're going to be knocking on the door of it if it compensates properly and it did and it's surprising um there's a few folks that have broke five this year which we hadn't done that in a couple of years down here so what's uh, the what's the um highest cotton yield you've heard of or you've seen i the highest that i've ever seen somebody pick was six wow um and the the John Deere ba- round baler pickers can't handle it. I mean that you know though this wasn't a field that I I check on. It was it was somebody else's a small field. Kind of one of those uh, those plots that people try to push the yields on, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was so much cotton they would have to park bale because the accumulator would fill up before the baler could bale the baler. Or bail the bail. Wow. They have to bail, <laughs> start bailing another one, and then drive a little bit. I mean, it was, it was intense. But huh. you figure that maybe that would not be an issue. But I understand if you've got that much cotton coming in. Yeah, because I mean, it's just a you know I don't know if you ever went through one of those machines before. I sure haven't. So it's a it's just a round baler, like a typical John Deere round hay baler, and it's blown up. It's huge on the back end. Yeah, but between the cab and the baler is an accumulator. It's a big hopper that so the the cotton gets picked, blown into the accumulator, and then there's an auger that feeds the cotton evenly in the bottom of the baler, and then it bales. So it's several processes to get there. So you're baling, you're accumulating, and you're picking. So when you do six bale cotton, the accumulator's full already before the baler's done baling the bale. So you, it's you know, like there's no way grass and and you can't and your lawnmower can't uh, <laughs> yeah, chop it and put it in even, a bag fast enough. Maybe you blow it up into the the chute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, 
you know, and at like four and a half bell cotton, they'll, they'll even then have to start to slow their speed down to give the baler time to work so the accumulator so doesn't fill up fast enough. Are, are they running fast. snail speed at six bell, like barely creeping? And they're stopping at at, at times. Yeah. Like, you wow. know, at, at four and a half bell cotton, they are running probably three and a half miles an hour. Okay. That's, so I would say that's normal. Yeah. Know, on average so. for a harvesting. But but if it's if it's you know if they're if it's four bill the three and a half bill they can push to four to four miles an hour usually. Okay. If field conditions they're there, there's a lot of places you can't do. So that. um, what happens when you slug a cotton gene? <laughs> when you slug? What do you mean? Yeah. So like oh, when it gets plugged you just up, go have, and then know. you get all this cotton built up in the accumulator. You know. <laughs> um. Usually that's when it catches on fire, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> that's usually when i have a somebody call me says, i need to plant some vegetables can you come yes i can set your planter i'll see you guys later yeah for sure so but other than you know cotton harvest and and uh, fall corn peanuts we have another month or so before we'll start digging peanuts um you know cory does a lot with pickles or cucumbers and the, this is a wild time of year. So there's two crops of cucumbers. There's a spring crop and a fall crop. Well, so they're not done planting the fall crop. It's such a short season and we're so hot. They start harvesting before they stop planting. That is nuts. Wow. Yeah. So wow. he had, uh, I wouldn't help them check some cucumbers yesterday. And, um, it, you know, uh, a few of the fields, had just been planted. Well, one would been in the ground two days and already had mer had emerged, put on two condolians and is starting to push a true leaf. And it'd been in the ground for 48 hours, maybe 60 hours. And that's pretty a time, pretty, or it's a very time sensitive crop to get out too, I would imagine. So, yes. so the, you know, cause you, if you're pickling, you don't want them too big and you want it probably prime to where it's not, I don't tough's not the right word, but you know, well, if they don't want the seeds to really start forming within the cucumber. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, there's been times where it's been, you know, 105 and they're harvesting a field and they just stop. And you see, you'll ask them what, what happened. And from the time they started harvesting to the top, they got, you know, whenever they stopped, the pickles matured so fast that they're now too big. Wow. And, do they ever kill the maybe kill the plant so that to aid harvest does that make sense you know yeah well kind of like with potatoes or, or cotton or or okay. what, yeah um no they don't um i don't that's a cory question he's our he's our pickle expert we're gonna uh, have to have him back on and ask him a pickle question yeah because i told him you know I'm, I'm just too old to learn new crops you know like, <laughs> all of you and your 21 years old of age i, I am not 21 <laughs> you look like a 21 year old that's the sweetest thing you've ever told me john you know i'm glad our listeners can't like actually visualize ethan <laughs> to understand yeah the harassment we're they're doing. all thinking man this guy's got a nice face for radio <laughs> I, I do have the face for radio <laughs> yep that is that is true but you know no, do you want do you want to speak a little bit about the the hurricane you know we visited about 
maybe briefly talking about that, but I know that. that yeah. So because the, the, because it, it has to do with your peanut. Yeah. So it, it ends up not really affecting much, but Dorian, which happened what a week or so ago by now, maybe two weeks when it was slated to hit Georgia real hard. Um, and, and it, you know, so many peanuts are grown in Georgia uh, of the, the percent of pounds brought to market. And not just Georgia, but the Florida Panhandle, eastern half of um, Alabama, um, and then the Carolinas and Virginias and pockets too. Um, that's a lot. They grow more peanuts over there than we grew on Texas from a pounds brought to market perspective. So that our eyes were on the storm from a market standpoint because, um, you know, they were starting to dig peanuts. So that could have potentially fluctuated the market a little bit. Um, not only that, but storage over there, if they have damaged storage, a lot of our peanuts are going to go ship. They're going to be shipped to Georgia or someplace in the Southeast um, for storage before they go overseas to some type of market, whether it's Europe for confectionery or oil or whatever, you know, um, was a few years ago they had a major storage issue in Georgia and it drove the the price through the roof so um it's not just the infield conditions it can be the the uh, facilities as well that are affected by that so we end up not having to to see that a whole lot it, it you know they didn't get abused quite as bad as the Bahamas did so well thankfully thankfully it didn't hit the US those poor folks in the Bahamas have been relentlessly hit ever since that went through you know yeah and it just parked on them for a while but and then you know now where we talk about storms is a tropical storm that hit uh southeast texas yesterday i saw that so when you see that that also affects our peanuts now we're not gonna we didn't get a drop of rain from that it's not gonna happen but when you start seeing disturbances in the gulf like that we will get rust in peanuts and that's what it takes. It takes a disturbance to bring some of those winds from, uh, you know, cause hurricanes start off the coast of Africa. That's where they start. So they bring soil particulates and. So you're all, saying all yeah. of the nasty stuff that we blame you for, you're blaming Africa for. That I am avoiding. I am not going there. <laughs> storms are originated on the Sahara <laughs> desert. Yes, that is a fact. Look it up. <laughs> Look that one up. That's where the, the winds form. They come off the desert in Africa, hit the Atlantic Ocean and form storms and build up across the ocean and hit, you know, North, Central, South America, Cuba, whatever, you know. Um, and with it, they will bring rust, whether that's from some of uh, South America, it'll pick it up on its way up or whatever, you know. Um, but Usually we will not get rust in peanuts unless we have disturbances in the Gulf hit either Northern Mexico or Texas somewhere. I think you need so, to be a meteorologist. You know, I just, I just try to No, you know what it is. I grew up on the coast and I had to know this. I so I didn't die. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm sitting here listening to you and John and I that are landlocked in the center yeah. of the U S like, yeah. what are you talking about? Sahara desert. And, 
Yeah, it's the house I grew up on was six miles from the Gulf of Mexico, so we, it was a rather a. There's a reason why I moved five hours from the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> I got tired of running away from those things. You know, you, know, you you kind of complain a lot about the weather, like you don't want to move north because you would freeze and die. And now, like, hey, I love about I love South Texas, from Africa. I, it's not a complaint. I mean, it, it's good for fungicide sales for you know, the vendors, I guess. But I mean, is this a problem you got to look for when you start getting uh tropical disturbances he, he and whatnot? That one, John, he, yeah. he's sidestepping it. He so, doesn't I'm, really I'm, answer that question. Whenever he was a kid, he, he was, he got his uh weatherman badge from the boy scout. <laughs> Boy scout. Yeah. <laughs> that does not exist, but. Oh, <laughs> uh, South of America. So no, I was talking about the weatherman badge, <laughs> but yes, no. neither, neither one exists anymore. <laughs> oh, we're really going down a political rabbit hole that we, we are. We okay. are. So, speaking of cotton, I was like I mentioned earlier, I was in the Texas Panhandle and was had supper with one of our agronomists and uh, asked him like how cotton was doing up there and uh, and how much he actually had make it. And he said he was at like 50% of where he started at. Um, there was, because there was so much moisture and cool temperatures early on, like, um, I mean, we saw it in Southwest Kansas where, you know, a lot of cotton didn't, didn't make it and didn't even get replanted. Um, but yeah, he said he was at 50% of, you know, what he went into the season thinking he was going to be checking. So. And I imagine um, most of that went to corn, didn't it, John? Yeah. Um, from what I've heard, you know, it's either went to went back to corn or went to Milo, one of yeah. the two. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Co- cotton does not like cold, wet weather. We always have better yields in a drought. You know, it's tougher. You know, it's harder to keep it wet from an irrigation standpoint, but you always have better yields in a when you start out dry. You know, you know that's a very fine line, right? Yes, it's, it's you between, don't you don't wish being successful. Yes, <laughs> and and killing the plants. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you, want, you want to stress it, but not too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's very true. I mean, it's it is a fine line between uh, genius and insanity. You know, so yeah. But well, boys, is there anything else we should touch on on this wonderful podcast before we uh, part ways? I don't know. I think we covered about everything we discussed. Okay. Well, for the yeah. all five we listeners that probably ought to put a wrap on it before you say something offensive. <laughs> that was Kevin this week, and you. Hey. I no, avoided no, actually, all the offensive things. He, he did. He did hold his tongue, John. Yeah. I, I set him up. I, I teed it up for him, and he, he didn't kick the football. No. So for once in a while, mark the date down. Ethan was not offensive on the nineteenth of September. It happened. We have we do, have documented proof that I am not offensive. So, uh, anyway, for the twelve listeners that we have. Um, uh, as we go forward, we're going to have some episodes about um, uh, our more specific episodes about precision services come down the docket. 
Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about recruiting and job opportunities. So be on the lookout for those episodes in the upcoming weeks and months. Uh, and thanks for listening. Um, is Colt here? Can he tell us where people can find us? He's on. Yeah, I'm here. Um, if you want to reach us or get in contact with us, uh, you can find us at at CropQuest Inc. or you can email us at media at CropQuest.com. So, so once again, for Kevin, John, Colt, and myself, this is the Turner Row Podcast, and thanks for listening.